0: You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jake Madison at NOLA Jake on Twitter, Pelicans Insider, editor over at lockedonpelicans.com, and credential member of the media. Here with you all on this Monday, the Monday after the All Star game. Still got a break before we get the uh, most upcoming Pelicans game, the most recent one upcoming this Friday against the Miami Heat. So we got all week to talk about different things, things we want to kind of cover and dive into with this team. But today's going to be kind of focused around the All-Star Game, some conversations that came out of it, uh, where the league might be heading. Just kind of a good catch up on everything that you might have missed, because if you didn't watch the All-Star Game, I don't blame you because that intro was so... Freaking awful, so we're going to recap the rising stars game a little bit We'll talk about the three-point shootout the dunk competition as well They got the wrong guy in who won that Donovan Mitchell was awesome Don't get me wrong, but that should have been Larry Nance jr. My original pick here and I'm not saying that for any reason I didn't bet on it so It's just who I thought should have won it. There's a better story there. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk about the actual game. We'll talk about stuff with the referees and maybe the playoff seating for the future, different things like that. Like I said, let's just catch up around the league and also one or two announcements coming up as well. So let's just jump into everything in Monday's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So before we start today, a bit of news, like I said, maybe an announcement or two here. I mentioned this and teased it the past couple of days and last week as well, but the Locked On NBA podcast is going to be going five days a week. You're going to have different hosts on every day. Each host has their own day. I'm going to be hosting on Wednesdays along with John Corrales, the host of Locked On Celtics. Do not worry. I am not trading Anthony Davis to the Celtics um, because no media can actually do that. And, you know, he's going to try. He's going to present me some trade offers to see what we can do here. But certainly, Anthony Davis is staying here in New Orleans, despite John and I being the co-hosts of the Locked On NBA podcast on Wednesday. So it'll be every Wednesday we're going to be on there, recapping the night's action from Tuesday night, talking about the biggest stories that are going on around the NBA at the time, and then previewing Wednesday night's game. So make sure you tune in on Wednesdays to the Locked On NBA podcast. So All-Star Weekend, we're just going to kind of roll through a number of different topics. There'll be resets in here when I just kind of deem them appropriate in the moment. So we're going a little unstructured here. We'll be more structured the rest of the week. Plus, I need to be up at 4.45 this morning for some work stuff. So I want to knock this out as quickly as I can the night before. It's kind of as simple as that. So... Rising Stars first. I mentioned this on Friday as I kind of previewed everything World versus the USA, and I said I like this game because these guys take it a little more seriously than the actual All-Star players do. And then I watched the Rising Stars game this Friday, and it just turned into straight up a dunk competition for a number of these guys just driving down the lane and throwing down some monster dunks. Simple as that. So they completely went out and proved me wrong and (laughs) made me look like a fool. It was fun, I guess, but again, you want to see them just doing something, trying a little bit, and, you know, I guess trying is dunking, but overall top to bottom, I mean, I don't know. This is just kind of one of those things where it's cool, you get to see these young guys be really good, and that's about it. And nothing really to take away from it because how do you judge something like this? But one of the things you can see the global reach of the NBA is kind of getting out there a little bit more. Look at that team of uh, on the world's team with Bogdanovich and some of those other guys who are real NBA players and are going to be so good in the league for a while. And the league's had a global reach for a very long time now. But you're really starting to see the influx of talent From foreign countries, not the USA, into the league. Like Canada's got a number of really good players now. That's kind of unheard of uh, for the NBA at times. So it's nice to see that all the work the NBA does in different countries to grow the brand, to grow their content, just to kind of cultivate the game of basketball in general is working because it's making a difference on a lot of these guys. These guys grew up watching Vince Carter and the like. And you can see why the star player uh, nature and driven aspect of the league. Is really paying off. Moving on from there, rest of some of the stuff when you jump to All Star Saturday night, the next night, called Spencer Dinwiddie winning the skills competition. I again like that it's guard versus big, but always, like the guard's always going to win. You just kind of have to assume that. Spencer Dinwiddie, I got kind of lucky on that call. I mean, who knows really who is going to win these things. I was wrong about the three-point contest. I kind of liked Wayne Ellington or uh, Eric Gordon. Ellington, if you had if you wanted like the plus 900 odds on him, seemed pretty good. Um, and it was Devin Booker who kind of makes sense because he's uh, had the best three-point shooting of his career uh, this season. So, okay, I was wrong there and no big deal. Uh, but look. Where I was not wrong was the dunk competition. I said it's going to be Larry Nance Jr. His dad was the first-ever dunk contest uh, competition winner. And he went in there against Donovan Mitchell into the finals, and Mitchell's dunk was cool. Uh, doing the one from Vince Carter in, what, 2000, I think it was. That 360 windmill slam. But when you watch them side-by-side... Vince Carter's is just way more impressive, as it should. Vince Carter was a freak, and that's really some of the best dunk contest uh, competition stuff of all time, and that dunk is up there. There's a reason that gets replayed every single year, and he's going to probably be you know, remembered for time immemorial here. So his dunk was cool, but he didn't throw it down. He didn't get as high as Vince Carter did. And I like Nance's the, the double off the backboard because that is way harder than it looks. And if we're really going to go to it, and this was back into the beginning of the dunk competition into the first round before you got to the finals. Larry Nance Jr. doing the exact same dunk as his dad did in the Suns uniform with you know the, the, the Nance on the back was pretty damn awesome. If you're going to go for kind of redoing someone's famous dunk, I like Larry Nance Jr. doing his dad's same dunk and throwing it down perfectly. If you watch them side by side at the same speed, it's almost exactly the same. They take off at the same time. They basically land at the same time. It's a really cool thing to see. Make sure you check that out if you haven't already. So, my opinion, Larry Nance robbed Come on, Larry Nance Jr. had that one. I called that. We all know it. If you watched it, you know he was the true winner. So I'm going to plug it again. Don't forget, I'm going to be co-hosting the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. every. Well, just I don't know now, and indefinitely, along with John Corrales over at Locked On Celtics. So make sure you tune in to Locked On Celtics. If you haven't, I know you guys probably aren't going to be thrilled with them, even though they don't really talk about AD going to Boston, because John understands that's not going to happen. But tune in. Get to understand who the guy is. You'll hear him and I together every single Wednesday over at Locked On NBA so let's talk about the actual all-star game and talk about in the at least for the first part here how bad those intros were look i'm not a fan of kevin hart i don't want to say like i hate kevin hart but this dude's not that funny to me and they're just trying to put him in every single sp- space f- sporting event movie comedy whatever like he there's just an oversaturation of unfunny kevin hart And to do, like, a 30-minute intro based around him, I just don't get. And I talked about this on Friday... And so look, this is what the NBA does with this sort of thing. They like these big bombastic intros. You're in Los Angeles, so they want to make a note of all the celebrities who love the NBA and different things like that. And they tried to make as big a deal about this as possible. It's kind of like that one friend who keeps trying to like name drop things like, look who I know. This is what the NBA is trying to do, which gets rather annoying a little bit. And I partially sound like, you know, the Simpsons meme of old man yells at cloud. But it just kind of sucks, and you just want to watch these dudes play because I'm here not to watch Kevin Hart and the other celebrities, but to watch these guys at least, you know, throw alley-oops off the backboard to each other. So that's a pretty damn fun thing at least to watch and not these stupid overdrawn intros that don't even highlight players. And then you realize that during the dunk contest, the NBA had like 30 minutes of intros for the damn judges. Not for the players themselves, but for the actual judges. So of course, what would we expect them to do other than a, uh, something like this? But as I talked about on Friday, this is really an opportunity for the NBA to kind of be progressive, and I think you you have to figure they kind of want to do this. LeBron's drawn up in the scandal scandal that he didn't even want any part to do with, and just gets pulled into this of being told to stick to dribbling a basketball from that the lady Laura Laura Ingraham, or Ingram I don't even know what her name is. Uh, basically saying he should just stay in his lane and not comment on politics or anything else when he's an American and he can do what he wants. So this was perfect opportunity for the NBA to kind of make a statement. Again, the players are towing kind of the company line. No one's kneeling or protesting before an anthem. They're not even allowed to. They haven't been as, say, trying to take a stance as, as big as, say, football players do. This was your time to do it. I've talked about the money that they win, the bonuses being drummed up higher than they have been in the past to try and make the game more competitive, and a lot of that money does go to charity. They talked about it actually during the broadcast, which was nice to see, so it's not like it's necessarily going all going to their pockets, But, man, make a big deal of the, again, have the winning team get to pick a charity to donate $100,000 to or something like that instead of maybe it going to their individual charities. And make a big deal about what those charities do in the intros instead. What are the stakes? What are these guys playing for? That's going to get them out there if all of a sudden you've made a big deal about how the game is going to donate $100,000 to some social justice charity, which would be a wonderful thing to see, and that'd be a great stance to take and make then they're going to play hard because they don't want to be the players that let that charity down, even though it's going to go to another one and then everyone's still happy. But you you really could do that, and that would be a great way to make a statement, I think, that's very impactful, and you've got all eyes on this. Everyone watched that stupid fucking intro for 30 goddamn minutes. So everyone would have watched... 30 minutes worth of talking about things that really matter would have loved to have seen that the nba as i've said is the most progressive league and we're going to talk about how they're so progressive in the next segment here this would have been a great wonderful thing for them to be able to do and i think it's a missed opportunity i don't really want to nitpick on this too much but again just you had the chance this is the year to do it there's a reason why this is kind of such a hot-button topic especially after one of your own players the face of the league basically gets dragged into this against his will and doesn't want to be part of this whatsoever show you have his back show you can make you know you can take a stand and make a statement on here would have been an absolutely wonderful thing to have seen so for the actual all-star game itself I'm recording this at halftime now since again up at 4:45 in the morning so I want to be in bed as soon as possible but there was a really cool thing that was done here, and that was what Anthony Davis did. Apparently, he had been pestering the NBA and requesting and campaigning to wear the DeMarcus Cousins jersey out there on the court to start the game. The number zero with Cousins on the back, and the NBA finally agreed and let him wear it. That is awesome, and what they should have done, I mean, it's the damn All-Star game. Why do they need to try and get like overly rulesy and get all rules lawyer on you with this sort of thing. That's great. Look, this is a sign of solidarity. It shows how much these guys care about each other. And earlier in the week, Anthony Davis talked about it and talked about the impact that DeMarcus Cousins has had on him. If you think there's any chance this Pelicans team isn't going to bring back DeMarcus Cousins, this should kind of shut those ideas down, get them out of your mind, and make you feel like the Pelicans are going to lock him up long term. Not on a 1-plus-1, not on a 2-plus-1 or anything like that. It's going to be a long-term contract here for DeMarcus Cousins. It should make you feel better about the direction the Pelicans are going. They're not going to trade him. They're not going to do anything like that. He's coming back. These guys are right now looking like best friends. It was awesome to see. It was a nice gesture from Anthony Davis. Exactly the type of thing you want to see in the All-Star game. Really cool moment. You've got to love it. I'm just thrilled we got to see that. That beat everything else. I didn't I didn't care about the rest of the game. I'm not going to even probably watch the second half of it here. That they got, let him do that. He ended up switching to his 23 jersey. You got to get that out there so you can sell a couple more of those. Go get that money, uh, League and uh, Anthony Davis, since he gets a cut of that as well. So nice to see from him, and it's got to make you feel uh, better about all of that. The funny thing, though, was he was called for two quick fouls while wearing that DeMarcus Cousins jersey. Think there's maybe something going on with the refs when they see Cousins in Zero making it feel like they need to call a foul. Speaking of the refs and calling fouls, we're going to talk about that in just a moment here coming up on Locked on Pelicans. But first, don't forget, check out LockedOnPelicans.com. we got a roundtable up talking about our feelings about the team at the All-Star break, what we've seen, how we feel about this three-game winning streak. So make sure you go read the roundtable over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So some other news from NBA All-Star Weekend in L.A. came out, and there's a few interesting things here. Let's start with the referees, as I just said. And we knew there was going to be a summit between the refs and the players because there's been a lot of ejections, a lot of quick technical fouls. We saw this in the Pelicans-Lakers game Friday, or Friday, Wednesday, uh, before heading into All-Star Weekend. And something needed to happen here, so they finally kind of had a summit, as they called it, where they tried to hash out some of the differences. And some of the things were pretty interesting with this the The biggest one being like that they kind of are on different sides of how they think should. Things should be officiated or kind of what the expected, I don't even know how to put this, discourse on the court maybe should be about this. And they kind of don't see eye to eye on these things. And for this kind of to all get worked out, they need to see eye to eye on it. And that's because the NBA League office maybe hasn't given them the most guidance on some of these things. Particularly cited was the fact that a lot of the times, refs will kind of stick their hands out and say like, look, no more. We're not discussing this. And the refs think that it's case closed. What they say when they say we're not talking about this goes. Whereas players feel this should be something that's maybe more open to a dialogue on the court in the moment. And that's the reason they keep going at it. There's no kind of, it's not really ruled one way or another officially. And that leads to some refs letting this happen and then some refs not. And the inconsistency in calls. And then players getting upset and annoyed with this and angry. So, it's kind of an interesting dynamic to see, and they said they have vowed to kind of open more lines of communication between the players' union and the referees' union and cut out the league office, which kind of actually makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you of course, you get all the fouls called in the first half of the All-Star game, which was terrible. No one wants to see them going to the line in this sort of thing, but they were. So, you know, I think hopefully we can see some improvement in the officiating going forward because some of these calls have been really bad, particularly the technicals, ejections, things like that. No one wants to see guys get ejected. Fans go to the game to see star players. Yeah, it might help the Pelicans that Isaiah Thomas was ejected early on in the first quarter of their game against the Lakers. But a lot of people pay money to go see Isaiah Thomas and aren't as concerned about the Pelicans winning, and that's a fine thing to do. And it's your money, you know, get what you want out of it. So to see that's very disappointing. That kind of factors into why the league wanted to avoid um players sitting due to rest and different things like that and one of the reasons why they you know stretched out the schedule to avoid situations like that. But glad to see maybe we're getting at least or at least inching towards a resolution or moving in the direction of the resolution because no one wants to see any of that stuff and no one really wants to pay attention to the refs. That's not who people go to see play these games. The other big news when it comes to stuff with the league was Adam Silver talking about how they've considered potentially Modifying the playoffs to just seed 1 through 16 instead of the current East-West format. And this is just a great idea. I think everyone agrees with this. One, the idea of Eastern Conference, Western Conference, and divisions was created when teams flew commercial to try and minimize travel time. Now that teams fly charter, it's a little bit different because you have the plane all to yourself. You're not really worried about flight times and things like that. And travel's just overall more comfortable for players than it was in years past when you put this idea in there. So in a sense, it's a bit antiquated in the current landscape of the NBA. They've actually done studies on this where you could create a schedule where all teams fly about the same, and it actually cuts down on most travel time for the teams in general this uh, compared to normal years. So that's an interesting thing. So, you know, hearing that they're looking at potentially doing it one through 16 instead of the current, you know, East versus West format, and whether that's just going to be you take the 16 best teams in the league or you then just seed them one through 16 but still go eight and eight, that could be an interesting thing. And then Daryl Morey followed this up on Twitter, the GM of the Rockets, saying, I can report that these type of concepts are being actively worked on. One thing I love about the NBA and Adam Silver is the constant efforts to make the game better. It's another reason the sports with older fan bases or worse leadership are in trouble going forward. Again, this is the most progressive league. They're looking at doing things that make their sport better and more appealing overall. And this is definitely a step in the right direction. We've always joked, oh, the Pelicans would be the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, or if only the Pelicans were in the East, we'd never really need to worry. Well, you seed 1 through 16, you don't need to worry about that either, and you don't need to hope for them to be in the Eastern Conference or anything like that. Let's just get rid of conferences in general. I found this interesting, though, that they are considering it. Again, that's a very, very, um, uh, you know, kind of revolutionary concept. Bill Simmons chimed in, of course, with this. And he always had this one idea from about 11 years ago that I think he calls it the entertaining as hell tournament where you take the team, you take basically the top 14 seeds, put them in, then everyone else plays in a tournament to determine two play-in teams. You know, kind of like the the uh, 64, 5, 6, 8, whatever teams it is, the play-in tournament teams in the NCAA bracket. So you get all these teams, even the worst ones in the league, trying to get into the playoffs, still have a chance and play. So it kind of eliminates tanking overall because it doesn't do you any good. Then you could do another tournament during that whole time. That basically determines the number one overall pick or something to that extent. I think a lot of people do this in fantasy leagues where you have a consolation bracket. And a lot of the time, the winner of the consolation bracket will end up with the number one overall pick the next year. They do that in dynasty leagues and in keeper leagues. That's a good way to do it. It you know kind of encourages teams playing hard the whole time, even in fantasy. So it's, it, it's a great idea that means more NBA ball all the time. You would shorten the regular season likely to do this as well, which is definitely something that probably needs to happen overall. So you can't shorten the regular season in the NBA unless you make that money up somewhere else. Well, a play-in tournament certainly is going to generate that money, which will keep the salary cap going up and player salaries increasing as a result of that. So overall, there's almost no downside to doing something like this, except, and this is a very important thing, it would hurt a team like the Pelicans, your regional broadcast money. So the money that Fox Sports makes would go down, and that money goes to New Orleans. They don't have a very rich deal um, that the the Pelicans get a lot of money off of. They don't have something like what the Lakers do, which is an insane deal uh, for the team, which pays them like $2 billion or something like that. The Pelicans likely, even though we don't have figures for this, have one of the smallest TV contracts in the league. So it'd be important to try and make sure we could figure out a way for them to get that money still because you don't want the team necessarily... Uh, losing out on a situation like this overall. So it's definitely something you've got to keep in mind. But overall, this would be fun. I don't think anyone would really uh, dislike this sort of thing. And It gives every team a chance to make the playoffs every single year. Just win that play-in tournament no matter how bad you are. It could be an important thing, man. It gives uh, you know hope to fan bases, different things like that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. That's all the all-star talk I've really... Feel like and am in the mood for. Don't forget Wednesday, gonna be hosting the Locked On NBA podcast with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. We're gonna be doing it every Wednesday. We're gonna have a lot of fun on there. I know I take this podcast fairly seriously, and that's kind of the format I like for it. There's nothing else out there giving you kind of daily info that you need to know about your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. I like to have some fun on here on occasion, but we're kind of just gonna let it fly on the locked on NBA podcast and just kind of get silly and have a a lot of fun with it. So I'm looking forward to relaxing in, in on the podcast a little bit more. Uh, so make sure you tune into that. Don't forget, check out LockedOnPelicans.com. Tomorrow's podcast is going to be kind of weird because I've got like a 17-hour day today here on Monday. Like I said, starting at 445. I'm not getting home till like significantly late at night. So we're going to see how that's going to go. It might be a little loopy or something like that. So if you guys want to make it easier on me, tweet me at nola jake on twitter what you want to hear in tomorrow's podcast so that i don't have to try and come up with stuff myself let's do it that way and just make my life a little bit easier so thank you all for listening as always i'm your host pelicans insider Lock, editor of LockedOnPelicans.com, credential member of the media jake madison at nola jake on twitter i'll be back with you all tomorrow